0: Welcome to the Adams Road Podcast, an outreach to the Christian music ministry Adams Road. Every week we examine a chapter in the Bible and share music filled with God's Word. You can find our weekly content by searching Adams Road Podcast on your podcast app. Let's start today by listening through Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. For the law, having a shadow of the good to come, not the very image of the things, can never with the same sacrifices year by year, which they offer continually, make perfect those who draw near. Or else wouldn't they have ceased to be offered? Because the worshippers, having been once cleansed, would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a yearly reminder of sins. For it is impossible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Therefore, When he comes into the world he says sacrifice and offering you did not desire but you prepared a body for me you had no pleasure in whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin then i said behold i have come in the scroll of the book it is written of me to do your will o god previously saying Sacrifices and offerings and whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sins you did not desire Neither had pleasure in them those which are offered according to the law Then he has said, Behold, I have come to do your will He takes away the first that he may establish the second By which will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all Every priest indeed stands day by day serving and often offering the same sacrifices which can never take away sins but he when he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever sat down on the right hand of god from that time waiting until his enemies are made the footstool of his feet for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified the holy spirit also testifies to us For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws on their heart. I will also write them on their mind. Then he says, I will remember their sins and their iniquities no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. We don't normally do this, but again, like last week, we're going to split this chapter into two episodes. So this week we'll be examining verses one through 18. And if we go back to Hebrews 10 verses one through four, we're reminded that it says, for the law having a shadow of the good to come, not the very image of the things can never with the same sacrifices year by year, which they offer continually, make perfect those who draw near, or else wouldn't they have ceased to be offered because the worshipers having been once cleansed, would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a yearly reminder of sins, for it is impossible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Now in connection with these verses, as a reminder, we read last week in Hebrews 9.9 which says regarding the Mosaic Law of Commandments expressed in ordinances, According to this arrangement gifts and sacrifices are offered That cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper. Being only with meats and drinks and various washings, fleshly ordinances imposed until a time of reformation. The Mosaic Law of Commandments expressed in ordinances was a type and a shadow of Jesus, but not the very image of the good things to come. You see, the external fleshly ordinances of the Old Covenant system didn't truly have power to take away sins bring about lasting forgiveness, and deal with the guilty conscience of the worshiper. They didn't have power to internally cleanse anyone. In some small sense here, I think I can relate to what the author is saying, even though I was never a Jew. Guys, I grew up in a religious system that emphasized the supposed necessity of certain external ordinances in cleansing the individual from sin and bringing that person into right standing with God. I was taught that my religion's water baptism took away sins and that participation in the weekly sacraments of my religion were necessary in order to keep up to date with my spiritual cleansing, so to speak. Without regular participation in the ordinances of my former religion, my sins would build up over time, (laughs) like a clogged toilet overflowing, and my guilt would continually increase. I constantly dealt with guilt and fear feeling unworthy, and fearing the wrath and judgment of God. Participation in the ordinances by which I trusted for spiritual cleansing and forgiveness only brought at best temporary relief from guilt. Under such a system, I had no assurance of any sort of lasting forgiveness for my sins. No assurance I was for sure saved and had eternal life at any moment. Because nearly as soon as I was supposedly cleansed through these ordinances, I would sin and thought or action, and the guilt would return. I was even taught in my former religion that if I committed a sin, not only would I bear the guilt of my most recent mistake, but all of my former sins would then return upon my head. It was a continual cycle of guilt and shame. I worked hard to make myself quote-unquote worthy to enter into temples of this religion in order to perform what were called saving ordinances on behalf of myself. Then I would go back time and time again to perform these same ordinances on behalf of dead people, believing these external ordinances would contribute somehow to their salvation as well. I sought absolution for my sins through an earthly authority within that religious institution. For example, I'd confess my sins to my leaders in hopes of receiving forgiveness from God through them I sought their approval and had it. But in my experience these efforts to deal with my guilty conscience were futile. Only after turning to Jesus and trusting in his finished work for my salvation did I find peace. Jesus died for my sins, was buried, and was raised on the third day. What he did was enough to bring about spiritual cleansing, lasting forgiveness, and salvation for anyone who would put his trust in Christ alone. Guys, when I believed and received Jesus, confessing my sin to him and asking for forgiveness, I received internal cleansing from Jesus himself, who sprinkled my heart clean from a guilty conscience by his blood and poured his love into my heart through his spirit. Again, to reiterate, we learn in this first section of chapter 10, that under the old law, it was not possible for the animal sacrifices to take away sins. Kofar is the Hebrew word for atonement, literally meaning, to cover. God's command under the old covenant system was temporary provision, merely covering their sins for a time and averting, pushing back, delaying the wrath of God against their transgressions until a better sacrifice could be offered. The animal sacrifices were a type and picture of the better sacrifice to come, which would permanently deal with sin take away sins. Jesus is the unblemished sacrifice of the new covenant. He takes away our sins. Now the writer to the Hebrews here in verses five through 10 is quoting from Psalm 46 through eight, actually from the Septuagint version, which was the Greek translation of the Old Testament available at that time. And we read in the section that Jesus apparently said when he came into the world, sacrifice an offering you did not desire. In other words, more animal sacrifices offered under the law weren't going to do anyone any good. That wasn't what God the Father was looking for and what would please Him. And it goes on to say, quoting from Psalm 40, but a body you have prepared for me. The only body that would please God as a sacrifice would be Jesus in His incarnation. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God was manifested in the flesh and Jesus' glory was revealed to the world in his obedient suffering that brought him to an excruciating death on a cross. There he bore our sins in his body and endured God's punishment for our sin, a perfect sacrifice by a perfect being bringing about a perfect and complete salvation. Jesus apparently said, as revealed in the Messianic Psalm, "'Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, Remember Jesus' prayer in the garden of Gethsemane where he says, Father, if it be possible, remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Hebrews 10 verses 9 through 10 say, Then he has said, Behold, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first that he may establish the second, by which will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. We see here that we've been sanctified, or set apart to God once for all through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Our sanctification is a done deal in God's eyes. We're already positionally sanctified on the basis of Jesus' finished work on the cross for our salvation. Ephesians 2.6 shares a similar concept, mentioning that we, positionally speaking, are already and currently seated with Christ in the heavenly places. In another sense, our sanctification is also being worked out in practice by God's Spirit, who is steadily transforming us into the image of Christ. Alright, moving on here. Hebrews 10, 11-18 continues to celebrate this finished work of Jesus Christ. There are so many treasures we can pull from this section. For time's sake, let's hone in on just a few thoughts here. Verse 11, every priest stands ministering daily. The priest's work under the law was never finished. And for this reason, they never sat down. Compare that against Jesus, who sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus' work of sacrificing for sin is finished. His once and for all offering suffices. Verse 14 says, for by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Now, I think this verse here has similar overtones to verse 10. Just like verse 10 preaches, we have been sanctified through Jesus' offering. Verse 14 proclaims we have been perfected forever through Jesus' offering. In God's eyes, we who believe are already perfect in Christ. He sees it as a done deal. He sees us through the covering of Christ's perfect righteousness. We are positionally perfect in Christ now, We are in practice being sanctified by His Spirit and at the day of Christ we will be glorified. We look forward to the redemption of our bodies and an eternal heavenly inheritance that awaits every believer. Alright, verse 16. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days. I will put my laws into their hearts and I will also write them on their minds. The new covenant is all about inner transformation. The first thing God does is God changes our hearts. He gives us a new heart and a new spirit. He replaces our stony, hard hearts with something malleable and soft. Can you imagine getting a brand new Corvette but having an old, non-functioning transmission in it? Wouldn't do much good to have the car without a working transmission, right? With us, God starts at the crux of the issue. Our depraved hearts and minds. He transforms us from the inside out. Like He isn't putting stents into our hearts to prevent potential blockage in a future heart attack, no temporary band-aid fixes here. He's giving us a heart transplant and making us new creatures in Him. God puts His law into our hearts and writes them on our minds. God empowers us to have the capacity to walk in the Spirit rather than the flesh. And while we will still battle against the flesh, while we dwell in these earthly bodies of sin, we have the down payment of God's spirit in us and look forward to a day when we will be fully delivered from the presence of sin at the coming of Jesus Christ. Come, Lord Jesus. Now it goes on to say in this section, their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Forgiveness in the new covenant isn't partial and temporary. It's complete. God doesn't remember our sins. They're no longer counted against a believer because Jesus has already paid the penalty for them. Psalm 103.12 says, He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. Or Micah 7.19 says, You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. How amazing is this? You know, I think about how hard it can be sometimes to completely forget hurtful actions someone has committed against me. Don't you think it can be difficult at times to treat someone who has pained you as if that person has never committed the offense? Even after forgiveness and reconciliation, we can ask ourselves, do we ever have the tendency to keep that list of offenses on file? Do we still hold it against them deep down? Maybe we think we have forgotten the past hurts, but perhaps the pain and bitterness surfaces from time to time and we go back to quote unquote, remembering what we promised to forget. I know with me, then I have to set this resentment at the cross once again and seek to completely forgive with a pure and whole heart. Only God can heal such wounds and empower us to forgive more deeply and with finality. But isn't it incredible that God chooses to forget our sins and not hold them against us? They are completely gone. No list on file in heaven. They've been nailed to the cross. Sometimes I wonder if we ever beat ourselves up over past mistakes that God has already moved beyond, forgiven and forgotten. When we confess our sins to him in sincerity, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Guys, we don't need to beat down a dead horse here and hold on to guilt and shame that we can release to Christ. His blood is sufficient to cleanse our conscience from our guilt. Let's walk in the peace and freedom of the forgiveness God has for us in Christ. And let's walk in the peace and freedom of forgiving others with a whole heart. Moving on here, now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. So basically, because Christ's sacrifice brings complete forgiveness, there's no longer any use to continue the old law animal sacrifices. Jesus' perfect and final sacrifice has rendered those sacrifices under the law pointless and useless. Now that the new and better has come, what use is the old? All right, I got a story for you here. So I once had this old ragged pair of cheap running shoes, like a really poor brand, very little padding, holes all over the place. They performed a function and I got by with them, but I didn't really know what I was missing. A new pair was way overdue. But I held on to the old pair because it was familiar. I refused to buy new ones for way too long. I don't really like spending money and honestly, again, I didn't know what I was missing. A friend one day took a look at my old shoes and said, I can't believe you still run in those. How are you not injured already? He then gifted me with a really expensive brand of running shoes with amazing support and padding. They were so comfortable and really enhanced my running performance. Man, it'd be hard to go back to those old nasty and dangerous pair of running shoes now that I've experienced this top-notch shoe. I know that's kind of a silly metaphor here, but honestly, once I experienced Jesus firsthand and the lasting forgiveness He offers, I knew I could never go back to my former religious upbringing where forgiveness was conditional and temporary and the religious offerings and ordinances for cleansing never ceased. Under the new covenant, Jesus' once and for all offering on the cross of Christ suffices and is effectual in bringing about complete salvation and forgiveness for all who would put their trust in Christ alone.
1: Must be perfect, just as our Father in Heaven is. Holy, holy. And he is our advocate, ever interceding.
0: That was Be Perfect from the Adams Road album, It's So Simple. This is the Adams Road podcast, an outreach to the Christian music ministry, Adams Road. You can learn more about us at AdamsRoadMinistry.com. Again, that's AdamsRoadMinistry.com. We release a new podcast episode every Saturday. Feel free to join us next week as we examine Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 39. Grace and peace be with you all.